Well, man, I'm, uh, I'm really excited uh, for today. We have been in a journey on what are the scriptures and what a beautiful summary from Psalm 119. I mean, it was hitting things on meditation, on his commandments, that they're a delight. They're the way forward. I bury it into my heart, into my soul. That's what we've been doing over the past several weeks, is just trying to work out a paradigm of really what are the scriptures and how should we approach them. We've covered a lot of ground, how they are unified literature. They tell a story that finds It's passing in and through the person and work of Jesus. How they are meditation literature, meaning it is not a one-time read. It's ongoing to consider it for a lifetime. It is wisdom literature to actually, for humans to know the pathway forward because of the word. It's a gift, but it's not even just for the individual. It's for entire communities together to come around it and to be shaped by it to know how to live in the world a certain way. Today we're going to talk about how to put then all of that, the scriptures themselves, to memory. Yeah, so some of you are really excited about that. Some of you, that's a total dread. (laughs) Memorizing scripture. Uh, I'll be honest with you, it is One of, I think, the harder disciplines for me to get behind is just memorizing the scriptures. So I I come with a lot of trepidation in teaching something that I'm not that good at. But I think that's the point. Even in today and even in this week, I have been convinced just why this is such a beautiful practice for us to get. But how good is your memory? (laughs) I think we take this for granted today because we just have such easy access to like everything all at once in the palm of our hands. So there's not like a a ton of emphasis to like put things to memory because my iPhone has put everything to memory for me. Just for example, and this is like, this is pretty telling for me, I, I think as to how like, I think my memory might be getting worse and just ability to recall information. There are a lot of times when I get on my phone, for example, I'm like trying to look up something specific, maybe it's the time. How many of you have gone like several minutes on your phone? You get lost in a rabbit trail that is probably social media and you have no idea why you're on your phone. You just don't even remember. And what stinks is like with the time, it's on the front page. And I get lost into it. Then I turn my phone off. I'm like, wait a minute, what time is it? (laughs) How many of you have left a candle burning too long? Anybody? So in college, I fell asleep with the candle like burning. I woke up to a gunshot. That thing exploded. The candle, like all my worst fears happened (laughs) by leaving it just to go, it just exploded. There's just things about recalling things to memory, like it's just getting worse and worse. I think in our present moment, we don't really have to remember things. Facebook has got videos, it used to be three minutes, Instagram trimmed it down to 30 seconds. TikTok has you at four seconds. They do not even think you have a better attention span than a fish. That's how bad it is getting. Our attention spans are shot. 
Interestingly enough, anxiety is off the charts, is worse than it's ever been in human history. Can anyone watch a movie anymore without looking at their phone? (laughs) Our attention spans and our ability to hold on to information and to recall things is getting so much worse. There's a scientist by the name of Ebbinghaus. What he did is a study on how much we actually retain and recall information. As a pastor, this is really depressing because we have a graph uh, to show you. After a day, a day, you lose 50% of what you remember (laughs) when information is just given to you. So by tomorrow, most of you will have forgotten most of what I'm gonna say to you. That is very sad. And then in a week, you will remember 20% of it. (laughs) How many of you remember what I preached on last week? 20% of the room, not even. (laughs) What about three weeks ago? I wasn't here three weeks ago. (laughs) Something about Jesus or the Bible, maybe. In the work of neuroscience, remembering and recalling information is so important for how we live today and make informed decisions. A good, strong memory can influence your mental health, It can influence your sense of purpose, your sense of belonging. That's why when loved ones pass away, we recall stories about them. Why? Because it helps us remember and actually helps us in the process of grieving and healing. We remember things about them. In therapy, you go back to memories, painful memories, in order to be able to work through them and heal through them. All of these are so good for us to be able to remember things. In the Bible, the word remember is used 352 times. And any sort of variant about that word remember when you go to those, that number jumps to more than 550 times. Remember God. If you and I grew up in first century Palestine, by the age of 10, we will have had to have memorized the first five books of the Bible by 10. And if we were on track to be a teacher of the law, we would have to have memorized the entire Old Testament. Isn't that crazy? But why is that important? Because remembering God's word, it actually gives us power and shapes how we live our lives today. That we are constantly reminded and reawakened to reality and how we move in that reality. Colossians 3.16, it is like exhorting us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. John 15.7, if you remain in me and my words in you, then ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. So when people get this and they see the scriptures as a real treasure, as Psalm 19 said, In the scriptures, we see people that like sell everything. Jesus tells the story of a man who found a treasure in a field and he sold his entire lot in order to buy the field so that he could have the treasure in it. Scripture sees itself as a gift and we do whatever we can to then store it away. John Tyson says, remembering who God is and what he has done is one of the most important parts of your discipleship to Jesus. 
You cannot be formed by something you do not remember. Is there a practice from the way of Jesus that helps us remember God and what he's done, that gives us power to be able to actually live and thrive in the world? Yes, it's memorizing scripture. And I'm convinced, and what I'm gonna share with you today, I just wanna give five simple reasons from the scriptures why they encourage us to memorize it. This is something I need to seriously grow in, so bear with me, I'm on this with you, but as we bury it deep, we actually can thrive in the world today. And we all want that, right? So why do we memorize scripture? First is this, to fight the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. These are what the ancients would call the three enemies to the soul. The world, the flesh, the devil. From Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you are dead in sin, which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the heirs. Talking about the devil there. All of us, verse 3, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh following its desires and its thoughts. One theologian put it this way, the three enemies of the soul are deceitful ideas from the devil that play into disordered desires, the flesh, that are normalized in a sinful society, the world. And that's what you're going up against. Do we feel that? How then does memorizing scripture help us fight this? Because I'm gonna be honest with you, the devil is way smarter than you. He is an ancient being. He's been doing this forever. He has been playing into our disordered desires that are just like, yep, all good, man, you do you. Like he has been playing that game forever. And if you're fighting him with anything else, you will lose. You will So how then does memorizing scripture help us? We've been chasing this story in Matthew 4. I'm just gonna read one verse from it, but over the past couple weeks, we've really gotten into it. If you wanna go back and listen to that, I encourage you to. But at the end of that story, Jesus is in a confrontation with the devil, really essentially around the authority and the trust of the scriptures. And this is what he says to him, verse 10. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This entire story, Jesus has been going back and forth with the devil around the authority and the trust of scriptures. When the devil gives him something, he says scripture over him. That's how he fights back with him. But what's really interesting are the verse, like the specific verses that he is using. There is a real power in just knowing the scriptures and being able to like, declare them out in the moment of temptation. But what is really interesting is why these verses? What about these was so foundational for Jesus? Well, remember, he's calling to mind a story from Deuteronomy 6. He's able to see that the story of Israel, this is God's people that he would work with to bless the world, to bring, put the world to rights, They would simply, if they would trust him and follow him, it would go well for them. But they don't. 
And that's the Old Testament, is them choosing for themselves what is good and evil in their own eyes. And so what Jesus is seeing, he is playing out in his own life the story of Israel. That's why we have all these hyperlinks, 40 days in the wilderness. That's to remind us of 40 years in the wilderness with Israel. Before he went into the wilderness, God is saying to Jesus, you are my son. It's interesting, that's what he called Israel too. So he's drawing to mind this deep identity about who he is. And there is nothing that the devil can offer him that would change that. There is nothing that the devil could say to him. There's nothing that the devil could say like, you need to do this to play into your desire. If you just bow down to me, I will give you the desires of your heart, which is to rule the world. And he's saying, away from me. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Trust in him only. Last week we talked about how the essence of sin is trust. Who will we put our trust in? So for Jesus, he's modeling not just a life entrenched in the scriptures, that is good, but he is modeling for us that he has been deeply affected by trusting in its story. He knows who he is. And when we memorize the scriptures, we remember who we are and whose we are. You see that? that we have been bought with a price. That's why as the psalmist would say, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is a recalling that we are image bearers of a king, not merely animals that play into desire. that we bear the image of God himself. And by abiding in his word, by keeping his words in us, we are connected to the vine and then we are bearing the fruit of the spirit. You see that? Romans eight thirteen. if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. By walking with the Spirit, by recalling to mind identity, by recalling to mind the story of the Scriptures, you remember then who you are and whose you are. And that is how you go against disordered desires that are just normalized in a society. If you are not fighting back with the very word of God himself, you will lose He's way smarter than you. So we need something that is even more powerful. The second reason to memorize scripture is this, to communicate the gospel to those who are lost. There are just opportunities that come in conversation with people when sometimes you just don't have a Bible. So what are you gonna tell them? By storing up scripture in your mind, you're able to speak out from the Bible itself. Actual verses that have in and of itself power. Isaiah 55, my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I love Jeremiah's discussion around it. He says, is my word not like fire? 
It's like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. Hebrews 4, the word is alive and it's active. Like it is doing stuff presently. It is working. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So there is so much power in just speaking the actual words of God over people. That in and of itself is a promise. But what I love this is that the Spirit is with that. He's, he's using it with our testimony. He's saying in those things together, there is so much power to break into the hearts of people. Peter like exhorts us every time, like in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that you have. Revelation 12, they triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You see that? In concert with the word of God and what he has done in your life, your story of transformation, it brings forth real power from the Holy Spirit to communicate to the lost. So the simple practice with that is just memorizing verses to share the gospel story. There's great apps out there for that. One of them I really like is called the Story app. It's a great place to start, just giving you verses to share the gospel story, but also memorizing and recalling entire stories of the scripture as well. I was on a plane ride to uh, LA and there was a guy uh, beside me. We had six hours together, (laughs) essentially. And so we're just kind of like talking a little bit, getting to know each other. We were on route to go and do some church planting work in LA. And so he was asking me what I did for work. I'm like, well, I can't lie to him. We're going to tell him what I'm doing. And so I said, man, we're actually going and just telling people about Jesus. Do you know who that is? Do you know like why he's so important? And we just started getting into conversation. I was able to kind of see all these rocks in his path. He was sharing with me how there was some real brokenness from church, from his parents. It was clouding kind of his judgment on who the father is. And I hear, I just heard the spirit say, share with him the prodigal son story. And so I did. That's something that I've deeply just like remembered and I've internalized and I've like shared it so many times. And so I just shared with him. And he said, I think that's me. I was like, it probably is. (laughs) It was me too. And I don't know what it was, but just like the power of God, the word that was proclaimed and, and just like my, even my own story of transformation, all of that kind of collided together to this guy giving his life to Jesus by just simply sharing a story. Speaking God's words in concert with ours gives our message an authority and real power is unleashed by the Spirit of God. That's like number two, why we should memorize. Number three is to comfort others. One of Scripture's stated purposes is to encourage and give us hope. Romans 15, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have 
hope. That's why Paul exhorts us in 1 Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another with these words. We have to know the scriptures to be able to encourage people with them. And now even in saying this, I, do need, I need to acknowledge this tension because we really struggle, I think, with this. I think sometimes we don't really know how to comfort those in grief. I think our default sometimes is to throw very unhelpful advice, sometimes even out of context verses at people. So scripture doesn't become a comfort, but it almost becomes a weapon. I just, I need to acknowledge there is a tension in this and it is uncomfortable. Sometimes the scriptures might just be inviting you to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But a couple examples from the life of Jesus of how he comforted those with his word, I think were so incredibly helpful. Turn to Matthew 11. So this is a story of um, John the Baptist who, remember, he was a prophet who was setting out and preparing the way for the Messiah to come. Well, that got him in some trouble and he was thrown in prison by Herod. And so he's sending disciples, some of his disciples to Jesus and he's saying to them, ask him, are you the Messiah? Or is there someone else that we should be waiting for? And this is how Jesus from his word, responds to John. Verse four, he says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. He is lifting that right out of Isaiah 35 the inauguration of the kingdom of God. By quoting this passage, I love this. He's not only just fulfilling prophecy, but he is comforting a friend. He reminds John that, man, I am here and all of this stuff that is happening is proof that I am the Messiah. And everything that you have done, John, is not for loss. You have fought the good fight all of these people will be broken from chains, but you will stay in prison. And so he's telling John, I am here and you can find comfort in whatever lies ahead. And if you know the rest of that story, it does not end well for John. But to the deep questions of, did I just waste everything? Are you the one? He says, yes, I am here. He's recalling to mind scripture in order to comfort those. You see how really knowing the scriptures can help people. Another example is when uh, Martha and Mary, if you know this story, their brother Lazarus died. Jesus is deep friends with all of these people. And he's come on the scene. Lazarus has already died. And both Martha and Mary, what's so interesting about this, they asked Jesus the same exact question. Lord, well, it wasn't a question, it was a statement. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And what's so fascinating is between Martha and Mary, Jesus does very different things 
for Martha, he was able to see straight into her that what she needed in that moment was truth. John eleven twenty five. 25, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Knowing what she needs, calling to mind scripture and giving it to her right there. But what's so interesting is Mary says the same thing to Jesus. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And this is how Jesus responds in verse 33 when he saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit. Where have you laid him, he asked. She said, come and see. And he weeps. That's so interesting. Because what Mary needed in that moment was her Lord to just simply grieve with her. Since we do not have mind-reading powers like Jesus, then our invitation is to still be present with people and to know exactly what they may need from us. How can we be of comfort for them? Is this us just sitting with them, entering into their brokenness, empathizing with them, feeling their pain? Or if the situation calls for it, is it speaking God's words over them? Either way, know the scriptures so that you can actually give real comfort to people. For example, when the enemy is whispering things to your friends about their lack of worth, or that God is mad at them, or he's disgusted with them, or just all of the things that we internalize. What if you were able to draw to mind some of these? You are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. You have become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. You are God's own possession, you are his child, John 1. You are his friend, John 15. You have been raised with Jesus and seated with him in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2. You are the aroma of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 2. I could go on and on. The Lord rejoices over you with singing and dancing, Zephaniah 3. Do you see why memorizing and putting the very word of God into you can bring real help and healing for people? It gives us language for people in prayer that has great power in them. But not even just for them, but for you too. So we, fourth reason, we memorize scripture to heal our own minds and to know what's reality. Romans 12, two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So shedding old way of thinking. Renewing means exchanging old thoughts and replacing them with new ones. That's all the work around like neuroscience with neuroplasticity and mental mapping. The gist of it is this, what you believe and think about 
shapes your reality. What you believe and think about shapes how you actually move like now. John Ortberg, he says this, we become what we give our attention to. We are either spiritually formed or we are held captives by words and thoughts in our minds. You feel that? We cannot divorce our thought life from our spiritual life. You can't. This has to be one of our highest priorities. We have to figure out how to get the Bible into our minds because we have wrong patterns of thinking. As I said earlier, anxiety is the worst it has ever been in human history. We have emotional baggage and injury. We have like, we talked about this a couple months ago, these things called narrative scripts that have been spoken over us, either from family of origin or just our upbringing. We have maybe present words that were spoken over you that affected how you even entered into the room today. It is dominating our thoughts. And what you meditate on, good or bad, can change your present action and behavior and actually how you relate to others throughout the day. <laughs> Words are powerful. They get deep into us. This is nonsense, this saying, sticks and stones break my bones, but word will never hurt me. That's total nonsense. You're not a robot. Like we can kill people with our words. James 3 even says, the tongue has the power to unleash hell on earth. I've had like deep words that have been spoken over me like years ago by like friends that have, I've like internalized in my body. It's taken me 15, 20 years to get over some of them. Like I, for a long time, anytime like someone would like maybe touch my shoulder or just like whatever, like I would wince. Like it was stored in my body that I'm disgusting. Fat, loser, like whatever it was, like all of these things that the devil was using to dehumanize me. I was paralyzed. If you don't think words have power, it's naive. John Ortberg again, he says, words will inevitably abide in us. So my question for you today is what words are shaping you? What's dominating your life? What are you still believing about yourself? And how many of those words are God's words? What words are shaping you and how many of those are actually from his word. If you want to live in the fullness of God and the kingdom, we must have his word abide richly in us. John 15, again, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear fruit, that you're not just some paralyzed, scared, afraid, but that you walk out in the fruit of the Spirit, and that's to the glory of God, showing yourselves to be His. 
If we do not know God's words, we will miss out on intimacy of close relationship with him. We will be too paralyzed by lies and other words that we're believing. We'll be too damaged by things done to us or us doing things to others, and we will walk powerless. When the invitation is to be filled with the power of God. To live lightly and fully and freely in the kingdom. Like in his words, there is actual power to unlock wisdom. To unlock reality. To reset and reframe our thinking. But I love this too in the, the same promise in Romans 12. So do not be conformed by the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You will know his will. You will know what he's thinking about. You will know what he's caring about. You will come in agreement and alignment with what he wants then in the world. When we map our minds and our hearts to the mind and heart of God, it actually frees us up to think correctly and critically about the world around us. And my gosh, what a time to do that now. We need to be able to think about what God thinks about in certain situations. One of the most striking things about the passage of Jesus to the Sadducees was him just saying to them, do you even know what is in the Bible? You are in error. Because church, I am afraid that our minds have been more hijacked by social media and the vitriol of our culture than the actual words of the Bible. So we start seeing those things as gospel truth rather than the word of God. You start believing things about the world and not the scriptures themselves. We start building belief sets around sexuality and gender and how to treat others and how to use your time and all of that based off of news outlets than TikTok rather than Jesus's words himself. We need to bury this into us. If we don't, we will be buried by the voices around us. And this is a tragedy. We become like a foolish person, someone who walks and then stops and then sits in the counsel of evil. And his very words are life. Knowing his word is knowing reality, like what's actually going on in the world and how to act and move in it. Knowing who we are and what God thinks about you and how much you are loved and how much you are cared for by your creator. Do you see how that heals your minds? To actually know what God thinks about you is so powerful. And to actually know what he thinks about the world and how you move in it gives you purpose. I think that's what makes this last point so spectacular that the God of the universe is inviting us to actually spend time with him because he actually likes you. How do I know that? While you are still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. 
He calls you his friend. This is so deeply transformational if we can get this, that memorizing the scriptures, it actually, we actually spend time with God himself and we become like him. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. Psalm 1-2, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Remember from a couple weeks ago, this verse is setting up this juxtaposition between two types of people. There's Psalm 1-1, the people that walk, stop, sit in the counsel of the wicked. And there are those that become like this tree of life, ones that are full of wisdom. And in the middle of these two types of people, we get this phrase that we delight in what we meditate on. And vice versa, we meditate on what we delight in. (laughs) We look upon the things that we love. And in turn, you become like those things that you love. If we dwell on hopeless, anxious places like news outlets or social media, you become a more hopeless person. You become a person constantly comparing your life or your looks or whatever to someone else. But Jesus is saying, if you come and you dwell upon me, if you come and dwell on my word and you get away with me and you learn from me and you spend time with me, you actually recover your life. You become like him. And Jesus by far was the most present, at ease, happiest person alive. The word incarnate. You know how many times he quoted scripture? He quoted from 24 books of the Old Testament almost 180 times. He knew it. He internalized it. And he is the most joyous person we know. His life and his ministry cannot be separated from knowing and embodying the scriptures. All of the practices that we've talked about, silence, solitude, scripture, memorization, fasting, all of it, they are cues into the lifestyle of Jesus that help us actually experience now what the New Testament writers called the good life. So by, as we said earlier, by memorizing it, it actually helps you thrive today. <laughs> so we memorize scripture to actually have the word deeply in us so that we fight the lies of the world, the flesh, the devil. We do it to speak truth over those that do not know him. We do it to bring real healing to those that need it. We do it to heal our own minds. And we do it to become like him. But how? How do we memorize scripture? Well, there's a secret in God's word in Joshua 1.8. He says, keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
So in even God's words, there is a clue, there is a principle from the scriptures on how we do this. And here it is, and this might be a letdown. It's meditate, memorize, repeat. (laughs) That's it. There are some tools that I have on the app that I can point to you later that I think are really helpful. They follow kind of this line, but the principle is this. You start first with meditate, like actually knowing it, experiencing it, personal contact. It has to be more than just reading, but slowing down with the scriptures until it like actually affects you, knowing it, giving it time. We've grown so accustomed to things being on demand, instant gratification, but we don't treat this really with any source of like any field of subject. Like mastering any sort of subject, it takes time and effort. Even like subjects like math. You started studying that, I think in like first grade, maybe? Maybe kindergarten? And then like over decades, and especially if you continue going on with it, you continue to grow in it, to learn in it, to learn new things, to learn new rules and methods to gain expertise. In that way, the Bible is no different. But where there's a crucial difference is in meditation because we're not studying to master the scriptures. We are studying to be mastered by the scriptures. So in meditating, you start becoming a kind of person. You start meeting with God. Again, we've said this a lot, to be formed, not merely informed. This is why the ancient Jews, they would recite scripture to themselves, almost like they were talking to themselves. (laughs) It was kind of this like slow, like mutter. They were pondering, they were thinking on it, meditating on it throughout the day, talking about it as they went on. This is kind of gross, but it's like when a cow eats, it swallows its food and then it comes back up out of the first compartment so they can chew on it again. And then it goes back down into another compartment and then it comes back up and they chew on it again. And that goes over and over and over until they just like extract all the nutrients from the food. It's disgusting, but it's exactly what meditation is. (laughs) This is what happens when we meditate, we recite, we repeat over and over and over throughout the day, bringing up from your minds what you've read, and chewing on it. So meditation then, you have to know these words and it leads to memorization. Like science backs this up. One article I was reading is one of the tips to get better memory is to slow down and meditate. (laughs) And the scriptures themselves said, yep, that's true. The way that you build your memory is by just simply slowing down and sitting in the text. And so when that leads to memorization, again, I've got a simple kind of strategy, I think that's been helpful for me. It's called the five by five by five method. That's on the app. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time talking on that, but let me just say this. If you've heard anything, it is such a gift to put the scriptures to memory. Guys, there are brothers and sisters all over the world that do not even have access to the Bible. The average American with a Bible has four of them. 
We are gluttonous with our Bibles. When there are people that are in prison just like quickly writing pieces of it down or people that are speaking and reciting the entire scriptures to them so that then they could put it to memory. It is such a gift. It's a feast for their souls. And listen, I get this. Some of you are like, this is so hard. It is, but I believe in you because a lot of you have like 1990s hip hop and R&B songs still memorized. Some of you have stats going back 20 years of your favorite NFL team. Like all of their stats. It is why for some reason I can still remember the greatest hits like Move Along by All American Rejects or the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Or Deathbed by Reliant K. Does anybody know that one? Yeah, Paul, my man. It's a 10-minute song. I could spend 10 more minutes just reciting to you, Deathbed. You've got this. In fact, your brain actually has the capacity to hold on to 2,000 iPhones worth of memory. 2,500 terabytes of data. You can do this. And finally, repeat. Repetition is so powerful. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, the word of scripture should never stop sounding in your ears and working in you all day long, just like the words of someone you love. And just as you don't analyze the words of someone you love, but you accept them as they are said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart like Mary did. Repetition trains the mind to focus and anchor the soul. We hear over and over again, I love you. You are mine. And we need this like we need air to breathe. So the practice for this week is to start memorizing scripture. Simple enough. There's a lot of ways you can start. I would encourage you to do it in your community. Whatever you want to start with. Sometimes it might just be helpful to have like themes. So like identity, verses on identity, just like going through all of those. I think it's really helpful to memorize entire passages of Scripture. All of Scripture is profitable. Again, I would encourage you, so as in your life groups, one of the things that you will do uh, throughout the week is we've put together a resource for you just to get you started. Start where you are, not where you think that you should be. And just get started somewhere. There's resources for you on the app. Go discipleship resources and scripture. Um, there's something there. And there's also, I've just put together a lot of things as to what we've been talking about over the past several weeks. Practices that we have engaged with, just some other suggestive things just to get y'all into the word. Um, but specifically for this week, what I want you to practice is just start somewhere. And just start burying God's word in your heart so that you thrive in your life today. Let's pray.
Father, I realize the tension um, just in our own world of how putting things to memory that seems not that needed. We have so much access to things, an infinite amount of resources. But you have hardwired into people that through putting things to memory, we remember who we are. We remember the story that you've called us to. And there's a real power in that. For those that don't know you, to heal our minds, to comfort others. But as we dwell on your word, we become less like the voices around us and more like you. We're able to actually know your voice. So God, just comfort us today. Just be honest. Maybe this is not practice for us. May we start today. Just convinced that burying your word in our hearts actually leads to transformation now. May we delight on your word. May we be people marked by your word that we can call to mind the riches of scripture. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.